Hello, and welcome to Remember God Loves You, and I'll meet you at the finish line. Well, I hope you guys have a fantastic day, because I know I am, because today is a day that the Lord hath made, and we shall rejoice and praise and be glad in it. And God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. You know, there's, it's interesting, we look throughout the Bible, and we see people having a very traumatic experience, the humbleness. And how, you know, when we look at the birth of Jesus Christ, it is a humble beginning for our life. And we can think of that in our personal walk. You know, when we go through a traumatic uh, life and when we go through traumatic instances where we are just absolutely awestruck of what could happen. And we get down to our lives, a point of our lives where we are dependent upon God and we are willing to do everything uh, to accept him, even if it even if it requires us to be humble and get on our knees and cry out to the Lord, for us to get out of a certain situation, for us or for us to bring peace into our lives, you know, of unprecedented times, and I have done that multiple times actually, because I think that I can do things on my own, you know, especially I think that um, I I think that you know what I'm a man. And that I can do all things. And that I don't want to ask anyone for help. But the problem to that is, is that when that never goes well. And that has not gone well. That kind of uh, mindset at all in my life whatsoever. It's only gone backwards. So I want to kind of touch base on it. And really focus on um, the humbling experience. and pers- Or known as... Um, the humbling beginnings, because I would say that the birth of Jesus Christ was a very humbling uh, beginning for us and for the world as well. So let's before we dive right on into Micah chapter five, we're gonna end. We're gonna start off with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for bringing us together. We thank you that we just can come here in reverence of you, O Lord. You love us, Lord, and you care for us so much. Lord, there are times in our lives when, you know, we think we can do all things. We think that we are better than everyone else. And we think that we can just think that we are, uh, we don't need your help. You know, that we can rely on others. But we know that never goes well. We know that when we try to rely on others, we always get turned away. When we rely on others, oh Lord, we know that it doesn't go well or, or not as planned as we wanted it. But we know that when we rely upon you, O Lord, you are a merciful Father. You give us the ability to restart and you allow us to um, just start fresh. And you show compassion and you show um, peace over us. So may you guide us as we go on forth today and help us to be humble for others and show humbleness even during this time of season, the Christmas season. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. So if you have our Bibles open, we're going to be in Micah chapter 5. And we're going to read all of chapter 5 because I just absolutely love what Micah has to say. It states, Marshal your troops, uh, <clears throat> marshal your troops uh, now, city of troops, for a siege is laid against us. They will strike Israel's ruler on the Czech are on the cheek with a rod. But you, Bethlehem, um, Epiphina, Epiphina, 
for you are small among the clans of Judah. Out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old um, are from are of old from ancient times. Therefore Israel will be abandoned until the time when she is in labor bears a son. And the rest of this and of the rest of his brothers will return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will live securely for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. And he will be our peace. And the Assyrians invade our land. And march through our fortresses. We will raise we will raise against them seven shepherds, even eight commanders, who will rule the land of Assyria with the sword, and the land of Nimrod with drawn sword. He will deliver us out of Assyrians when they invade our land and march across our borders. The remitment of Jacob will be in the midst of many peoples, like dew from the Lord, like showers on the grass, which do not wait for anyone or depend on man. The remitment of Jacob will be among the nations, in the midst of many peoples, like a lion among the beasts of the forest, like a young lion among flocks of sheep which mulls and mangles as it goes, and no one can rescue. Your hand will be lifted up in triumph over your enemies, and all your foes will be destroyed. In that day, declares the Lord, I will destroy your horses from among you and demolish your chariots. I will destroy the cities of your land and tear down all your strongholds. I will destroy your witchcraft and will no longer cast spells. I will destroy your idols and your sacred stones among you. You will no longer bow down. I will up front or uproot from among you your um, Asher peoples. When I demolish your cities and I will vengeance in anger with wrath on the nations that have not obeyed me. And it's absolutely cool because in in Micah chapter 5, pretty much, what we have is, is that Micah is prophesying of what is to happen. That there will be a ruler in among Bethlehem. And that in the ruler of Bethlehem, there will be this great Messiah, which is Jesus, who will show his wrath and will cast the wrath of um, the righteousness over the people that have betrayed and have gone after his own people. And that is absolutely cool because we then jump forward to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27, and it states, um, <clears throat> well, we're going to kind of go back to uh, 26 because there's no point of going to 27. And we're going to... We're going to read from 26 to um, 31 because it states, Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. 
Not many were influenced. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to the shame and wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the deepest things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. So that no one may boast before him, that no one may uh, boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is a righteousness and holiness and redemption. Therefore, it, therefore, it is written, let then no one who boasts Boast in the Lord. Amen. And amen. So, I absolutely love verse 26 through 31 of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Because it's telling us that no matter, we don't have, like no matter when we are born, we don't have to be born in a rich family. We don't have to be born in a, a poor family. We don't have to be born and we don't have to live up to a certain standard because God will take who you are in your life and he will graft you into what he wants you to do throughout your life through giving you the circumstances and through discipling you through just allowing uh, allowing you to just walk alongside with others and that's interesting because you you know we look at the pride and we look at people that think that um, they try to live a godly life and we see that never really works out and that they truly get exposed later on in, in, in the future. And it is also, and that's, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm getting my, I'm getting excited about it because God loves you for who you are and that's that. And that he will graft you because he has a plan for you. And that is the great redemption. And that is the plan I'm sure Jesus didn't know. Even, I don't think Jesus really knew what he was about to get himself into when it comes on Christmas Day. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses, um, verses let's see, I'm sorry, <clears throat> verses 9. And it states, well, we're going to read... Um, we're going to read from chapter 1 through 10, because verses verses 12, chapter 12, verses 9 doesn't make sense. We're going to go a little bit before that, and then verses 10 through 10. And it states, I must go on boasting. Although there is nothing to be gained, I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. Only God knows. I know, And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weakness. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain so no one will think me of 
me than is warranted by what I do or say. Or because these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming uh, conceited, I, w I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Therefore, times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Excuse me. But he has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. <clears throat> amen. And amen. So the question is, how does this relate to my life? How does this relate to the story of Christmas time? How does this relate to any of it, actually? Because besides a lot of reading. Well, Beth, well, here's where it comes down to. Bethlehem was a small town. Insuff uh, insufficient in comparison to bigger cities in the area. In the, in the message or paraphrase of Micah 5-2, Bethlehem is referred to to as the root of the litter. Why would God choose to come to the earth in such an unimportant location? Does it seem like a worthy birthplace for the king of kings? Absolutely not. The, things, the thing is, God has never been interested in the world's definition of greatness, wealth, fame, popularity, power, None of these are noteworthy to God whatsoever. Paul told the Corinthians, God chooses the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chooses the weak things of the world to shame the strong. What he can do in someone's life is not limited by their earthly status. Because if Bethlehem was the root of the litter, how much more glory would God receive for establishing the life of his son there? Where Jesus' journey began did not determine what he could accomplish for the kingdom. And that is, isn't that the same thing for us, per, per se? And that we don't have to be, like, you don't have to have such a huge, long resume and, you know, state that, well, I've done all this accomplishments in my life and... So I would think that would get me into heaven. No. And it's not, you know, people like are, don't really want, you know, when people hear stories and if you're ever talking to somebody, they don't really want to hear like the accomplishments because then you're just kind of making them feel bad. They want to hear how you have overcome those obstacles. You want to, and how you have overcome and made better of yourselves. And it's interesting because that correlates with our lives as well. Actually, it plays a major role in our lives. You know, we have to, you know, God wants you to witness to others. God wants you to interact with others. God wants you to spread the word of the gospel to others. And when we do mess up, he doesn't want you, you know, when you're sharing your testimony or when you're, especially around the Thanksgiving table or even the Christmas, well, when you're around Thanksgiving or now as getting ready for the holidays, you don't want to just, 
you know, share like all the bad things in life. You know, you want to say, how can I impact somebody else's life? You know, because I used to be in that shoe. I used to be in their shoes. What can I do to help them? What can I do to make them feel better? How can I help my and use my resources to make, get them on their feet? And that is through prayer and it is through the guidance that God gives us. With this in mind, I hope you guys have a blessed day. And, you know, it's important that we all have humble, humble experiences or humble beginnings. And Jesus says was being born in Bethlehem, which by, I did some geographical things. Bethlehem is not a very big city whatsoever. It's like as small as you can get. And especially being born in a stable, that is as humble as it can get. And I'm sure we can correlate it to our life as well, you know, um, where people are like, if you're in the shower and things are just going absolutely wrong and you just decide to take a shower and then right there and then the Holy Spirit comes in and just literally washes your sins away. That's a humbling experience. So with this in mind, let's end it with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for bringing us together. We thank you that we can just come here in reverence of you, O Lord, because you're a merciful Father, because you love us so much. Lord, I pray that if somebody, I pray that we have the sense of humbleness, that we are humble through everything, and that we don't take things for granted because you love us and that you want what's best for us. And Lord, I just pray for, you know, how Jesus had a humbling experience. And I mean, that's as humble as it can get, being born in a stable and not a massive city and probably in a very small town, Lord. And especially what he did on the cross for us. I can never imagine that, Lord. So I pray for during this Christmas time, during this Christmas season, I pray that we can be able to have humble hearts to impact somebody else's life, to help them out, to get them on their feet, and to show, and to show the wonderful things that you have done in our lives, the positives, not the drawbacks. And when we share with others, Lord, help us to share in how our lives are changed and how we were not dealing with sin. So you may so may you guide us and protect us as we continue the path that you have set before us. So that when we cross that finish line, oh Lord, we can run into your arms. And we can hear you say to us, Well done, my good and faithful servant. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Well, I hope you guys have a blessed day, and remember God loves you, and I'll meet you at the finish line. Bye.